0: I think for us, what I've realized as like we've been doing the work is relationships matter. Relationships on a human level. And I say that because when I know you personally, yeah. it's a lot easier for me to work with you because I'm building trust and
1: I feel comfortable. Hello, everyone. My name is Kim Addy. I am vice president of Strategy and Impact at Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative. Welcome to Black Wealth Unlocked. Today, I'm excited to have Harriet Williams yes join me. She is co-founder of Village Microfund and Vice President. Yes, that is correct. Thank you for joining. Okay. So today, our topic is around partnerships. We're okay. going to be talking about unpacking what it means to have enabling and disruptive partnerships. So partnerships that really change the status quo of how we work together. Before we jump into that conversation, we'd love to learn a little bit about you, Harriet. If you could just tell us where you're from. I always like to journey into memory. So, you know, growing up for me, my grandmother was a big influence in my life. So who is that person for you? And what are the things that like light you up, that give you joy? So, like
0: Ken said, my name is Harriet Williams, and i'm co-founder and vice President of Village microfund uh I'm from Augusta, Georgia, so a Georgia native, and who I do this for is the ancestors. I know that's like a loaded answer, mm-hmm. but I think about my grandmother, who I didn't get the opportunity to meet, but I'm named after my grandfather, my great grandfather, and they were black people who were literally trying to make it work, and I think about how the village really could have helped them. And really created generational wealth. But it's just the people that I came from. Because I just think about they're dope. And that's the reason that I'm dope. Mm. And it brings me joy to just add light to their names. So them, my parents, and my community. And what gives me joy, I would say, would be just helping our people. Mm. When I was in corporate America, I used to want to do something that mattered. Mm. And I didn't always know what that was. But I knew I wanted to help people. and so helping the people that live near me that look like me that brings me joy because I know every day I'm effecting and affecting lives and in a positive way and providing opportunities that those people may or may not have without Village Microfund.
1: I love that. Thank you for that. Harriet, before we jump into the series of questions, I'd love for you to tell our listeners about Village Microfund. If you could tell a little bit about the origin story as co-founder, you know, what was your vision for the work? Um, When you co-created this organization.
0: Got it. Village Micro Fund was started in 2014 with Dante Miller and Nathan Jones. And it was actually founded on Morehouse's campus. They came back after a summer internship at Goldman Sachs and realized that the type of investments that happened on Wall Street were not happening in our communities. And so let's do something about that. So Westview Pizza Kitchen or cafe was actually the first uh business that Village Microfund crowdfunded a loan for. And it was $5,000 and it was to help get a pizza kitchen. And that was necessary mm. because they needed a a, a pizza oven. Yeah. Like that was something that was going to really help the speed of the pizzas coming out. They were able to raise this $5,000 and literally it was like pretty much a moment of like two young kids <laughs> really not knowing what they were doing but believing in what Could change the community. So after that, I ended up joining officially in 2018. I actually got laid off of my corporate job and ended up volunteering in the same neighborhood, met Keitra from Westview Pizza Cafe, and she was my first client. That's how I met Dante and Nate. And I was just doing consulting because I was kind of, I didn't have anything to do at that time, and I wanted to help. And I had met her at a community meeting. And what I realized is like our businesses really need help, but they don't oftentimes have the funding to do so. And so mm-hmm. after that, I ended up merging the Tubman Group into Village Microfund, becoming the third co founder. Mm-hmm. And we've been rocking ever since. To date, we've given out over $2 million mm-hmm. in funding, whether it be grants or loans to small businesses in our community we have had over 300 businesses go through our cohort or either that we've consulted for. Mm -hmm. And we're continuing to grow that. So the village micro fund helps black entrepreneurs grow and scale their business through education, capital and support. And what that looks like also is we have a a cohort twice a year. Mm -hmm. uh, That's 15 weeks. We take businesses through the business model canvas, also through pitching and really just like bringing in experts that really help, whether it be accountants, uh, finance individuals consultants really making sure it's hands-on yeah. at the end they're able to win a prize this time we have one that is sponsored by walmart and awbi so twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> is the big pot so it's, Love you guys got to come out on november 9th uh for that but that's really gonna i'm excited because that's really gonna help change a business's trajectory but after after that uh, we also have capital. So we have partnerships with Kiva and Ace and JP Morgan and Chase through the Entrepreneurs of Color Fund. Um, and we're also working to become a CDFI. So mm-hmm. in the next year, we'll be able to give lower interest rates and larger amounts of money. Because when we talk about capital, my dream for businesses is. Like in the black community, oftentimes you're piecemealing your business together. Yeah, it's like baby yeah. we ha- we don't have friends and family. So it's like we're we're literally mm-hmm. saying, Okay, well, Kim, I need you to come help me paint these walls and we're gonna get yeah. this done and then three months when we get a little capital, we're gonna do X. No, no, no. Kim, I want you to be able to walk in day one and see your dream actualized. Yeah. So that's why the capital part is also important. And then support, like we have consultants that we trust. Uh we are also creating a DAO concept. Uh, which is community led funds through philanthropy. Uh, and just really, here's the thing with Village Microfund, it's about creating creative financial solutions. We realize that the system is not built for us. And while we are fighting against the system, in the meantime, we have to think outside of the box when it comes to helping our businesses, whether that be through education, capital, or support. So. That's what we're doing. And what I love about us is we are with the times, Kim. We will literally be like, hey, this is a problem. Let's figure it out.
1: And that's because we are deeply rooted in the community that we serve. Well, that's what I was going to say. And that's what it sounds like. There's so much value in being rooted in community because then you're able to address the issues and understand in real time what people need. And so I think that is significant and a value-add of Village microfund. So thank you for kind of walking us through not just your origin story, but how you show up for, for Black entrepreneurs in the region. So thank you yeah. for that. So before I get into the questions, I do want to do a little bit of grounding. And it's important because Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative is a race-conscious, race-explicit organization. So what that means is we center not just the truths right, and experiences of Black people but we ensure data is incorporated into how we think about the work. But we also understand how uh, systemic racism historically has been pretty much written into the fabric of our society, right? Which causes us to be a race explicit organization. Because we are race explicit and race conscious in what we do, it means that we have to show up differently and partner differently. That also means that it's really important for us to be in alignment with values-aligned organizations like Village Microfund, so I'm excited to be in conversation with you today, Harriet, because that's really important. Now, I will tell you, I'm new to AWBI. You know, coming from non nonprofit philanthropy, I've heard of and experienced some of the concepts around this scarcity mindset, right? So that is really the opposite of operating in abundance. It is grounded in mistrust sometimes, competition. And I will tell you and be really clear that a lot of where that comes from is from philanthropy, right? And so because of that, I know it makes it even more difficult and many times to partner, right? When you when you have to and need authentic partnerships. And so in that space, I'm just curious from Village Microfund and how you all are doing your work. How does that show up for you? And really, what is the antidote? Like, how do you address when partners aren't as authentic? There is a level of mistrust and people aren't operating in the spirit of abundance. I think
0: for us, what I've realized as like we've been doing the work is relationships matter.
1: Relationships
0: on a human level. And I say that because when I know you personally, yeah, it's a lot easier for me to work with you because I'm building trust and I feel comfortable. And that's something that we think is very important at the Village Microfund. We try to really learn our partners as humans themselves mm-hmm. because it's I'm not gonna like for lack of a better term, screw you over. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like Kim is my dog, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. we that's gotta how make sure work. That's yeah, how we work. gotta make sure that everything <laughs> is above board because I, I don't wanna disappoint Kim. I don't yeah. wanna ruin the relationship yeah. and the trust that we've created. So one creating trust with partners and funders, uh, but also just Trust within the community, and that's hard to come by. Our reputation is very important to me. So at every turn, making sure that we're contacting the community, we're in talks with the community. The community is at the same table. So we're making sure that we deliver and help them in the ways that they need to be helped, not in the ways that we think that they should be helped.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think those authentic relationships are really important. And I would also say building relationship capital takes time and doesn't always keep pace with work right the work is moving much faster which sometimes can create challenges in partnerships because you I do want to get to know Harriet I want to go have coffee right I want to go have lunch I want to break bread over time and that's how you build that which is so important I think to partnerships and really what is kind of helping move the work so thank you for articulating that and it also speaks to like I think your organization and how you are grounded in community, mm-hmm. because you have to be in relationship with community to not yeah. only understand what the needs are, but you have to build trust with them. Right. So that's the origin, I think, of who who you are, but also why we are so mission aligned. So.
0: But then when you also you also brought up a really good point about abundance yeah, yeah. and w- w- how we think about that is. Village Microfund cannot undo the systematic racism that black years. People, yes that black people yeah. even in Atlanta yeah. have experienced right, right. we're yeah. one organization a team of less than 10 right yeah. so when we think about abundance there's so much work to be done yeah. and there's so much to eat off of when it comes to nonprofits and, and partners, that there's no reason why we shouldn't be partnering. We need to partner because there's no way that we're able to do all this work by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's the the abundance mindset of like, there's enough money for to go around. There's enough work to go around. Like we don't have to just be the only ones. And if we're really trying to help our community, we realize we need everybody who is in alignment to really make this thing work and to really make it an impact. Cause like we talked about earlier, like the statistics of in 2060, uh, the average black family is going to be, was it zero uh, net, net worth of zero or negative net worth? Mm. Like that's not that far away from now. That's yeah. in our lifetime.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we got a lot of work to do. We do. We do. It reminds me of this quote from Angela Davis and she always talks about Freedom is connected to the collective, right? Mm -hmm. And I was reflective about what it means to be in a collective and how you need to actually partner to move this work, and that it's not individualistic. Like when you think about the paradigm that it needs to be, it really is about pulling folks together, but in the spirit of trust, right? Mm -hmm. And building towards that. So that's really important. I want to shift and talk about community wealth building at AWBI. Community wealth building is a practice and a methodology that we not only utilize, but feel it is important to do this work. When I talk about community wealth building practices, I'm talking about shared ownership models. I'm talking about financing that's rooted in community. I'm talking about cooperative models. These are not your kind of typical anti-poverty strategies, right? when you talk about social systems or connection to healthcare or economic empowerment models, these are different models that are not necessarily the status quo. As a result of that, there's a level of risk that that carries, right? Like folks are not running typically to fund that work or they want to know more about it. There's not a ton of education around it. And because of that kind of just lack of awareness, it does carry inherent risk with it. And so I want to unpack that a little bit and talk through that because I think it also, when you think about partnerships, requires certain partnerships or partners to carry risk alongside you. And so I'm just curious how you all have navigated that space when you, because you guys are pretty innovative when you talk about the DAO, right? Mm -hmm. Creating a platform where philanthropy can invest, right? That gives the community a level of control, right? There's... Perceived risk around that, and so I'm just curious what that looks like for you, and the types of partners that need to like lock arm and arm with you to do this work. That's a very good question, Kim.
0: Yes, there are a lot of risks that come with our work, and one of the things that's very important is having partners and funders who have non-restricted funds, yeah. and realize that we're piloting something here. Like it may or may not work. And, but willing to try because what I feel like is a lot of organizations oftentimes think of the work as a Band-Aid. Yeah. Right. And we don't want to be a Band-Aid. No, we want to take that Band-Aid off. We want to get down. We want to see what the real issue is mm-hmm. and create a solution so there doesn't have to be a Band-Aid. Yeah. And that's a lot of a lot of work. And that's digging deeper. Mm-hmm. And so when you're doing that, you don't know if the thing will work. But you learn a lot in there, in that situation. And so having partners who are willing to say, hey, we're going to take this risk, Mm -hmm. but the reward for this risk may be great. Or the reward may just say, hey, we know that we don't need to move in this space. This is not effective. And now we can think of something else or innovate the, the previous idea to really make that work. And so it's about open mindedness. It's about learning about things like DAOs, Decentralized Mm -hmm. Autonomous Organizations. That's something new that a lot of people don't know about, but it's literally something how we plan to use. It is a way that can literally empower a community that has not been empowered before. When we think about communities like we mentioned before, they're not building the table. They might have a little folding chair in the corner, but like they're not really getting to say, hey, these are the things that our community needs. These are the things that will really help us. Here's the real root of the issue and maybe how can we solve this as a group? So it's hard work, but it's just about having an open mind Mm -hmm. and even an abundance mindset of like, Hey, Mm -hmm. if this doesn't work, we know that there are going to be other partners, other funding to really make sure that we figure out a solution to help our people.
1: Yeah. And I would even say, you know, having partners that are ready to fail and failure is okay. And, What are the things that you are learning so that you can shift and change and have a level of agility to be able to kind of, you know, make those changes and see success at some point. Right. So anyway, so I just I I just I wanted to lift that up that, you know, iterating, failing forward, Mm -hmm. learning, sharing those learnings, making those shifts. That's all a part of the work. It is. And it's organizations
0: like AWBI, like Candida Fund, who are more open-minded and can almost act as examples, right? Yeah. Because a lot of foundations and partners, they're, they're not used to this. So they don't even know how to work through a, a more risky situation. Mm-hmm. But when they see organizations and partners really coming together and doing riskier things, it provides an example. They're more comfortable it really helps to move the work. And then also as a black company, Mm -hmm. we are oftentimes thought to not get the funding if things fail. Mm -hmm. We don't often get a second chance. It's like, Hey, yeah, we have this hail Mary and maybe you better get it right. Because if if (laughs) we don't get it right, everybody in Atlanta is going to hear about this failed project. And then we're not going to be able to, to get funding again. And that's a scary
1: thing. Well, let's talk about that. Right? Like, What you're bringing up in this conversation is, I think, the allowances that happen for organizations that are not Black-led, right, is different than what happens for Black-led organizations. Very different. Right? And what that looks like, what that feels like, how it impacts the way you operate and move is a part of, like, the challenge of really trying to be innovative and finding partners that want to invest in the potential of what could be. Right? Right. And so that's hard. It is given. out. I'm going to say this. This might be a little risque,
0: right? Be risque. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say this. If we were of another race doing the same exact work yeah, yeah, yeah. that we're doing today, yeah, we would be funded with millions easily. Say it again. We would, we we'll would be funded with millions again. easily. We wouldn't have to lift a finger. Yep. They would think that this is the most profound thing that has ever been created, and they would easily trust us with that money. Like, we, we work really hard to get funding. And, you know, it, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter because it's for our people, and we'll do whatever necessary yeah. to, to make sure we do. Absolutely. But it's a real thing, especially in Atlanta, in the South, yeah. um, that people of color who are doing work for the people of color in their community, it's harder for them to get funding. Yeah. We're having to scrape together checks instead of people saying, oh, well here's $3 million over three years. Yeah. And there are organizations that are funding. So I'm not saying this is not everything, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying it will be a lot easier process. And we've seen that happen with other organizations who are not taking as many risks or are another demographic serving the people that look like
1: us. Yeah. Thank you for lifting that up. I think it's important for folks to know what y'all's experiences are in that space. Right. We're, we too, even as a nonprofit who
0: is helping black businesses yeah. experience systemic racism yeah. through philanthropy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you got to get it how you live. Like, yeah. <laughs> this work is not, like we said, easy, but yeah. being able to know that our work can help change generations It's all worth it.
1: Well, that's why I think there is power in the collective because that collective and that ability to dream together, I think facilitates the power, right? That we all have and can have. And so, thank you. Okay, so my next question is, in the space of community wealth building and the work that you do, a lot of the innovation work, how do you see this work evolving You know, over time when you think about, some of the market pressures that you all have and some of the challenges that you have and some of the, you know, barriers that you have to seeking funding and having the right kind of partnerships in place. How do you see this work evolving over time to build black wealth? Got it. I see see us thinking outside the box. Mm. So that includes
0: expanding internationally. Mm. That, Includes like pretty much looking under every stone and not leaving a stone unturned, yeah, yeah. and so getting really creative. Um, one of the things that we are interested in doing is expanding to Africa, mm. South Africa specifically. There are just some barriers, less barriers there than we experience here. Of course, it's nuance. Every country has its own set of issues, advantages, mm-hmm. uh, disadvantages. But really thinking like, hey, like yes, we are here in America but we literally can use our american passport at an advantage mm-hmm. and how could that look because in america as you know we are experiencing extreme inflation and that is hitting black businesses very very yeah very much so like it's really hitting them at an extreme rate uh especially when we over index in food uh businesses and you think about how th- the inflation of food has gone up tremendously since covid so How can we leverage resources and partnerships in other countries Mm -hmm. to really grow these businesses and really just think outside of the box? And even on that point, when we talk about the work evolving, uh, we recently were at like a conference and what we realized there were black entrepreneurs from the whole diaspora. Mm -hmm. And what we realized is black entrepreneurs are having very similar experiences throughout the world. Mm -hmm. They're disenfranchised everywhere. So when we think about expanding the work, it's like in collaboration, Mm -hmm. let's collaborate with black businesses that may or may not be in America. How can we expand the pipeline? How can we really grow as a community internationally and not just in America? So those are some of the things that we think about because we are stronger together Mm -hmm. than divided And I know a lot of times it's easier to just look in the community that you are in. Yeah. But there are other people elsewhere that are dealing with similar things. And if we can share the knowledge and tips and all the things that can help, why not do that? And why not work together to make sure that our businesses are really effectively funded and supported in every way possible?
1: No, I think that's a good point. Similarly, with AWBI. You know, we also see value, not just in the work here in the region, but expanding not just to the U.S. South, but the global South. And there are similar struggles. Like you said, that context looks different. But I think there is a lot to be said about what we're learning across the diaspora that could help. Yeah. And I think in solidarity, right, like bringing full circle what we're learning across these different places. But I think the thing about community wealth building as a practice helps anchor you in the context of place. That's also important. It's holistic in terms of its approaches. So that's why you can go from Atlanta to South Africa or Brazil or across the, anywhere across the diaspora because you are thinking about the context of place and what you're learning and how you can take those learnings elsewhere. So, Harriet, I want to ask you a question that we ask all of our listeners, and that is, what does black wealth mean to you? Black wealth means to me, and what it looks like, is
0: joy. Hmm. It looks like peace, hmm. happiness, relaxation, vacations, internationally. <laughs> Vacation.
1: <laughs> right?
0: It looks like a lack of struggle and an abundance hmm. of everything that every black person has ever desired.
1: I love that. It
0: looks like a seat at the table. It looks like generational wealth. It looks like supportive families and communities. Mm. It's literally every dream actualized that we have, our ancestors have, mm. that we may or may not have thought was possible. And to me,
1: that's what that looks like. That was awesome. That was great. That spoke to me. <laughs> So Harriet, I have one more question for you. And this is connected to a conversation we had earlier around generational wealth. Our parents didn't have, in many instances, the ability to pass down generational wealth. And I'm just curious your perspective on, given you know, your proximity to the businesses that you work with through Village Microfund, maybe your own experiences or experiences of your peers. What has that looked like for us? What does that look like and feel like? So I just love to know more about it. Yeah. Like, what do we miss out on? Right. As a result of that. Well, one of the beautiful things about the village
0: is for all three Mm co-founders, we talk about how if the village was existing when our grandparents or parents Uh, had their businesses or wanted to open businesses how different our lives would be Mm. so my particular story goes to my grandmother who I'm named after she had over 100 acres in South Carolina Mm. she was a widow she uh, so a single mom and literally had field hands and everything this whole farm operation Mm. is a point of of beauty for me because I think about like just all that she had on her shoulders, and how she yeah. was able to navigate that, mm. but as time passed on, and my mother and her siblings left the farm, my grandmother couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. her health was failing, and she had to end up working at a hotel and I just think about like if the village was't in existence, how we could have helped her with the land lease for her property, so she could kind of retire in a way, mm. how she could have really utilized the land to create a wealth for herself and a wealth for us uh, without having to do the back aching work of farming and tilling land. Mm. So we did have the land and it was passed down, but I just think about how that really could have changed, like having that money come in and really being able to use that asset in a different way. And Dante has a similar story about his grandmother and wanting to open a restaurant. Nate, it was his dad who had a record store. Mm-hmm. And when records were going out of style, how then that had to change and how that lack of income did affect their family. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many other stories of Black families where, yeah. you know, there are businesses that were had. Cause, you know, it, as Black business owners, a lot of times we're really good at what we do, mm-hmm. but we don't have the business acumen or the, the opportunity to learn more about business we just have to figure it out as yeah. we go. Yeah, that's true. But what would that look like having an organization like Village Microfund and partnerships such as yours that could really help businesses to grow and scale in a very intentional way. Yeah. And so when we talk about generational wealth we unfortunately are behind the cusp because we haven't been afforded a lot of inf- a lot of information, a lot of experiences that our peers have. Like yeah. the system has been built systematically so that we're not getting loans or yeah. capital. Yeah. Um we're not really getting the business education. So we're really just scraping in what we can and we a lot of us are doing well, yeah. but just imagine yeah. what that could look like with the proper resources. Yeah. And so that really changes because when when those businesses grow and scale then you think about there's more jobs in the community cuz we're more likely to hire each yeah, other right yep there's uh more people who are able to donate to philanthropy organizations like it it literally changes the whole look of black neighborhoods yeah and so it's really powerful to help businesses to create wealth so that they can also not only create wealth for their families but create wealth in their communities and with that be able to really transform what we currently see a lot today and that that's just the part of how generational wealth is so important if we had this in 2060 we wouldn't (laughs) have the projections that we have currently and um i just think that's it's very powerful how That can change. One quick example is we were at this conference and this young lady was talking about how her family lived in the projects and her dad was a janitor. Mm. And one day he decided, you know what, I'm going to work to own my own cleaning business. He ended up doing that. And within the span of five years, their family moved from the projects to a four bedroom house. Mm. And that was a short amount of time. Like what that transformation looks like of being an employee to actually being an owner who then employs. Yeah, yeah, And that's so powerful because if he would have stayed a janitor, that may have not happened in that generation. Mm-hmm. But because he decided to do something different and outside of the box, mm-hmm. his fa- the family situation literally changed in a matter of years. Therefore, after that, people were able to afford going to college, mm-hmm. other opportunities that may not have been afforded before because of their financial status. And that's just an amazing example of of how just the change of owning a successful business can really like impact a family and impact a community and impact a generation. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: powerful. Thank you for that story. I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us today on Black Wealth Unlocked. I was your host today, Kim Addy. If you'd like to learn more about Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative, you can go to our website at AtlantaWealthBuilding.org or or if you'd like to learn more about Village Microfund, you can visit
0: us at Villagemicrofund.com or follow us on Instagram at villagemicrofund.